Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Under the Big Tree. I'm Troy. And I'm Tisha. And we have a very good topic today. If you guys remember, I believe it was, was it last season or was it this season? It was last season. Last season, we talked about weaponizing peace. Peace. And so we decided we'd continue in this vein, and periodically you'll hear us on this same topic. But today, we're going to talk about weaponizing joy. Amen. And I think it's going to be really good. So... Tisha, why don't you kick us off? Okay. Well, I wanted to start off with like defining joy or what I think or how I think we should define joy. And the scripture I want to use is Romans 14, 17. It says, and this is the English Standard Version, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so when I looked up, Joy, it was simply gladness and delight, gladness Mm -hmm. and delight. And I thought it was easy and simple and not overcomplicated because to manifest the kingdom, you see that you need the ingredient of joy. You can't do it without joy. It's a threefold thing that comes together, ingredients, like you're making a cake, you need certain things and you have to have that ingredient of joy. And so we are going to talk a little bit about how to use joy as a weapon in the kingdom of God. So I think one thing, just to be on the the same page and we level set everything, joy is very different than happiness. Yeah. And I think a lot of times what we'll do is we'll take joy and happiness and interchange the two as though they're almost synonyms and they're not. Right. Um, God never really promised us happiness. Mm. Right. But but joy is something he promises because joy is, it, it doesn't matter the state that you're in. It doesn't matter your conditions. It's not circumstantial. That's probably the best way to say right. it. Where happiness comes and it goes and it comes and it goes. And and I think a lot of times we don't recognize the, the or, or place emphasis. Let me say it that way. Place the emphasis on joy not having anything to do with present circumstances. Correct. And I think it's important to share that. I, for one, been chewing this over eh, probably for the last six, eight months or so and looking at joy in the perspective of marriage because marriage is not about happiness. Mm. Marriage is not about happiness. Marriage is about commitment. Wow. So the commitment, now here's the funny thing. Marriage is about commitment, but it's commitment to God first. Yeah. And when you find the commitment to God first, the natural Output should be joy mm-hmm. and natural output. I should say this. The natural output should be happiness. Happiness should flow from the commitment that you have from God. You have the commitment to God. You have the commitment to your spouse and happiness should flow out of that. Okay. Okay. Now, even when I'm not happy with my spouse or if my spouse is not happy with me, I can still be in a state of joy because it's not circumstantial. Right. I can still, the definition that you gave for that, that can still flow out of me. It can still flow through me, all this kind of stuff, because it doesn't have anything to do with pre- present circumstances. I'm committed to God. I'm committed to my spouse. The natural output should be happiness. But if I don't get the happiness out of that, I still have joy. Yeah. Amen. And that kind of brings us to our next point. Um, Psalms sixteen eleven. Um, says, you will show me the path of your life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Because that is the nature of God. 
yeah. in his presence is joy. Authentic yes. joy is the evidence that, I mean, authentic, yeah, authentic joy is the evidence of the presence of God. It's evidence that the presence of God is upon you. And so I took that to say, rather than joy being based in happiness, which is circumstantial, we're going to say authentic joy is a location and the location is the presence of God. Mm-hmm. He in his presence is fullness of joy. So anytime you're outside of the presence, you're operating in the flesh, you're doing things that yep. are carnal, you will find that you will have <laughs> emotions contrary to joy. And that is a good gauge to look at yourself and say, okay, I'm not operating in the joy of God. So what is going on here? And it's a good way to combat that. It is a realm of glorious living. When you live in the presence of God like that is a glorious place. And living in the glory of God is a weapon against the enemy. It absolutely is. In the book of James, it tells us to count it all joy. Yeah. Uh, when you meet trials of various kinds. Again, not circumstantial. But you can count it joy because you understand who you're serving. Yeah. You understand it's in it's in God where you rest. It's in God where you dwell, right? That's where you make your abode. And because you're in him, it doesn't matter what happens. You know, these various temptations and uh, I think the Bible calls it diverse trials and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like using the old English word diverse trials. <laughs> uh, but all these things come against you, but you still count it joy. I, I learned something uh, in my studies and I, I, I love this, and I, I like to share this, that a lot of times when we come to a place in the Word of God and we get kind of confused because we don't really understand what a passage means. Like, I, I don't really have the, the, the revelation of what this means. Mm-hmm. There's a frustration that comes to us sometimes. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get it. This doesn't make sense. I don't get it. But I've learned uh, through my studies that the ancient Hebrews, when they would come to that point, they would begin to rejoice amen, because they knew at some point the father was going to reveal it to them. And then their lives would completely change because of the revelation that they got. Amen. That's good. And so what I say about joy and one of the good ways to weaponize joy is joy helps you to look ahead and not behind. Oh, that's good. Right. That's good. It, Cause you know, what's coming. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't force you to do that, but it, it gives you the opportunity to look ahead and not behind because I know even though I'm in this place, God is going to deliver me. And I know that even though I'm going through this thing, God is going to come to my rescue. And even though I'm going through this thing, I'm not going through it alone. He's walking here with me. And that's enough to give you joy. Wow. So you went to the end, <laughs> what I was going to bring at the very end. But since you went there, joy is an enduring anointing for the saints because you're looking at the end. In yep. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him mm-hmm. endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Mm-hmm. So he had to endure something that was unpleasant. Yes. That hurt, that he had to resist unto blood because he understood the joy that lies ahead, mm-hmm. the pleasure that lies ahead. And he was able to get to that pleasure. And I think sometimes we as humans and fleshly creatures, it is hard for us to endure some pain and really yeah. see the joy that lies ahead. Yeah. Most of the time it's looking back. 
when you when I talk to saints, it's most of the times like, you know what? It was hard, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm-hmm. In the moment, they didn't see the joy that lies ahead. But in looking back, they understood that there was a joy that they were going to behold. That's and right. so also Matthew twenty five twenty one, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That is our finality. Yeah. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's why we're doing what we're doing here in the earth. We all want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. That is the kingdom of God. What I love about that passage you brought up is we kind of break that up. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. You know, well done. Enter into the joy. Mm -hmm. We forget that part that's in between. Because you've been faithful over a few things, I'll make you master over many. Your reward for doing a good job is more work. (laughs) Just the truth. (laughs) We We don't like to talk about that too much. But when you do a good job, you've been faithful over a few things. So now what? I'm going to make you master over many. many. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we don't like to talk about that too much. But honestly, that is a picture of the joy of the Lord. It should not be work to you. It should be a joy to you. Yeah. Right. And so he multiplies that in you and to you and for you. It, because when you are doing the things that God has ordained you to do and call you to do, whether on this side of glory or the next, it's going to bring you joy. Yeah. And that is one way you can weaponize joy, doing the thing that God told you to do. Yeah. <laughs> doing the thing that God told you to do and obeying what he told you to obey and not wrestling and questioning, which brings confusion and frustration. Well, did he say and did he do or did he? A lot of times, if you just go jump in and do the thing, yeah. you'll find out quickly whether it was him or not. Absolutely. Uh, um, it's, it's so funny because I think, and I, I want to hit on this point because I feel a, a, a kind of an unction to hit on this point that doing the will of God won't always bring you happiness. Yeah. Right? Though Jesus said this in his word, he said, my meat is mm-hmm. to do the will of the one who sent me. Right? So he said he was sustained by that is what he's saying, right? But it doesn't always bring you happiness. Hosea is a classic example of doing the will of uh, God yeah. and it not bringing you happiness. Jonah, doing the yeah. will of God, but it did not bring him happiness. Ezekiel. <laughs> so many with people. The dung. So many that yeah. did the will of God and it did not bring them happiness, right? Right. But I think what, what we have to see in this is that I think you mentioned it, that the joy comes with it. But it's not devoid of, let me say it this way. I'm going to say it the right way. The happiness is not the thing we pursue, right? Right. We pursue the will of the one who called us. Actually, we pursue the one who called us, and we follow after his will, Mm -hmm. right? When we follow after his will, happiness may not be there, but because I'm I'm pursuing the will of God, joy is going to be there. Now, I want to show you a picture of that because I had never seen it like that until now you had three Hebrew boys Mm. and those guys got put into the furnace. They were doing the will of God, but going into the furnace obviously did not bring them happiness. Right. But when Nebuchadnezzar looked inside, what did he see? He said, I see four. Mm -hmm. Right. And one is like the son of man. There you go. So he recognized something. That fourth one looks different. Right. Right. But the Bible says that they were loosed, right? Mm -hmm. 
So now what happens is because they did the will of God, it brought them to a place of unhappiness. Mm -hmm. But they were still loosed inside of that place of unhappiness, which shows you the picture of joy that they had, right? Yeah. They were walking back and forth in the fire, completely protected. Why? Because where the pre the presence of the Lord is, there's liberty. Mm. So there's no chains on them anymore. Yeah. And so this brings a level of joy because now you're with the one who called you. Yeah. He's going through the situation with you. And the only outcome there can be is that you're going to come out of it because he's with you. Because he's with you. Right. And you come out in victory. And yeah. so we got to be able to look at that kind of stuff too. Yeah. It's, it's important to understand, again, that joy is a place. It is a place and the place is his presence. And that's the picture, perfect picture, Troy, of the presence of God enveloping people and then being able to operate in I the joy it. of the Lord. It's I one mean, of my favorite stories. It is. It's awesome. It's awesome. So I want to bring up another point. Uh, let's see. Psalms 21, 1. And it says to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, the king shall have joy in your strength. O oh Lord, and your salvation, how greatly shall we rejoice. I love this because it really shows how joy operates. So strength in that is just the meaning of his power and his might. And it's an understanding that David had that because he was in the Lord, that he did not have to re rely on his own strength. Correct. He could rely on the strength of God. He could rely and depend upon God to deliver him. All the armies he had, all the horses, yep. all the chariots, uh, all the notoriety, all the fame he had were nothing. He could not trust in his own arm. He had to trust in the law uh, in God. And that brought him joy to know that the king of kings, the Lord of hosts was on his side. So joy is weaponized by understanding the strength of God yes. and that he is on your side. Yes. And so when we see pictures of Moses, and I'm reminded of the victory in Exodus when they crossed over on the other side and Miriam did the dance. She sang <laughs> the song, right? Yeah. Because they, the, who's on the Lord's side? God was on their side and brought them through. So joy was there. There was nothing that the enemy could bring against you. No. And that is where David was seated in his thoughts and in his heart that, hey, I have God on my side. I have joy in your strength. I have salvation in God. So I'm going to greatly rejoice. That's a good point to make. I always thought the story of, of Miriam in that Red Sea thing was kind of funny to me. <laughs> because while she's walking through it, wasn't no tambourine playing. Wasn't well, no tambourine playing, <laughs> nope. When she got to the other side. But th here's the deal. When you, you really start to weaponize this, even while you're walking through it, there's that yeah. anticipation of victory. You yeah. Know? And that, that helps you along the way. So what other points did you have? Okay. Another point that I had was Psalms 27 and 6. It says, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices mm -hmm. of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. So I was like, well, how can you offer a sacrifice of joy? I know how you offer a sacrifice of praise. So I looked up that word joy in the Hebrew, and it means a war cry mm -hmm. or alarm. 
Love it. Yeah. So when you are offering a sacrifice of joy, it is a war cry or alarm in the spirit. You're saying, I'm going to give a war cry to the enemy, you know, and and that's going to send a signal that you are about to go down. (laughs) And what I love about that is who would ever thought joy? Joy. would be associated with war. With a war cry. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. You know, the tabernacle in the Old Testament was a bloody place of sacrifice. It was also a place of encounter. So how unorthodox was it to to give a sacrifice of joy than of blood? Yeah. So this was in Psalms that this was declared before the new covenant, right? Right. So right. so so they understood what joy did to the enemy. You I remember in I think it's 2nd Chronicles where they gave a shout and it shook the enemy's camp. And shook that the whole earth. shook the whole earth. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it is the war cry of joy is a way to weaponize the to weaponize joy. Yeah. So got to keep that in consideration. Joy is one of those quivers yep. or, or one of those arrows that are in your quiver yep. that you can deploy at any time. You yeah. know, I think one one good way to weaponize joy is not be led by your emotions. Yeah. Good way to, to weaponize joy. You you have the joy inside of you. And and you you can be fueled by that joy that's inside of you. Yeah. Uh again, it's the anticipation of, yeah. of what's coming. I know it's coming. I know it's gonna be good. I don't know what God's gonna do, but I know it's gonna work out in my favor. All this kind of stuff. You have that anticipation of it, that expectancy is what we like to say in the church world, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the expectancy. But you're you're expecting God to do something great. And as long as you keep your focus in that area, then you're not going to be led by your emotions. I think once you, a good indication that you are not operating in joy is when your emotions are pulling you from place to place. Yeah. Yeah, that is a great indication. And it's a time to settle in and say, okay, let me refocus and make sure that I'm exhibiting and staying in joy to ensure that I'm moving in the presence of God is a, is another gauge or weapon you can use. I also want to bring up Romans 15, 13. Let's go. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So this here, when I was reading this, it was like, okay, God is filling you with all joy and peace in believing. Mm-hmm. So when you believe, <laughs> you weaponize joy. And we've talked about this a little bit in some of what we've said. Because when you believe God, it brings joy and it activates the power of the Holy Spirit. It really activates his power. When you believe God. Yes. Yeah. And you step into that place, no matter what your circumstances say, you have a place of joy. And oftentimes that's what draws people to God because they're like, okay, all this is going on in your life and you're still laughing. You're still smiling. You're still calling God good. Yeah. (laughs) Really? And all that is happening in your life? Yes. Because I believe him. I believe his word and in believing and peace. I receive the joy of the Lord. That is my portion to operate in. And as you're in joy, guess what? That war cry is going out. Yeah. 
and the enemy is being defeated. Absolutely. I have this one in first Peter, because this goes along the lines of, you know, what we're talking about today. First Peter one verse three, it says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. Love that word mercy. He has given us new birth. Now this is interesting. He has given us new birth into a living hope. Remember that word hope Mm -hmm. through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Mm, So that forces us to start looking ahead, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Verse five, it says this, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Still looking forward, right? Right. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Mm. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is the part I like, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Mm. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Wow. It's easy to focus on the, the bounty or the treasure or the reward that's built up. But you have to look at what Peter is saying here when he's saying that he's he's pointing out these things, these this, this inheritance that doesn't spoil or fade away. He's pointing at all these things, but then he goes back to why you have all these things. Mm-hmm. And it's because the one that you serve, the one that purchased your salvation. And he says, even though you haven't seen him, you still loved him. Yeah. Right. And, and it. It's that faith that's built up inside of you. Blessed are those who haven't seen but yet believe. Yeah. Even though you haven't seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, right, you still believe in him. Yeah. And because you have not seen him and you you don't see him now and you still believe, he fills you with an inexpressible joy. Wow. Wow. And I, I absolutely love this. Because nobody else can give that to you. Nobody else can give it to you. And once he gives that to you, nobody else can take it away. No. No. It's up to you whether you're going to steward that joy or and, not. And the empowerment of your joy being Jesus is the ability to look ahead and to move forward. Yes. And to press beyond the trials that were mentioned in that scriptures, in mm-hmm. those scriptures. You know, yes, you have gone through things here, but there's a joy that not only that you have. But that is also coming. Yes. So it's a joy that you have and then it's also will come. Love it. So it's profound. And I think somewhere in that scripture, it does mention having that joy through faith, through Mm -hmm. believing. So this is the power of joy. This is why joy is important. We have to understand that God has a kingdom that is peculiar and it is peculiar To have joy as a war cry, to have joy as strength, to have joy as one of the three main ingredients of the kingdom. Yeah. 
and to have joy as a weapon that terrorizes the enemy. Literally, that's what it's doing and causes you to win victories and causes and draws people until salvation. That is one of the major victories that I see. I love that. When we operate in joy, we cause people to question, well, why can't I be like that? So joy is a powerful tool that I feel is not talked about a lot. It's not. Or enough because it's like, oh, righteous piece of joy. <laughs> you know, okay, joy. But it is an important tool for measuring where you are and to ensuring that the kingdom of God is at hand. That's an excellent point. And so we know that, that the kingdom, uh, joy is a major component, component of the kingdom. And so we need to make sure we keep that at the forefront of our minds. doesn't matter, you guys, what trials, what things you go through. The trials come to make you stronger. But even as you're going through the trial, recognize that you're not going through it by yourself. Right. Recognize that you won't come out of it by yourself. Right. He's going to be with you. He's going to be in you. He's going to be for you. He's the fourth man in the fire. He's the fourth man in the fire. Yeah. And that should give you great comfort, which should produce joy. Amen. I'm Troy. And I'm Tisha. And we thank you so much for joining us here under the fig tree. Good night.